How's everybody doing this morning? Have you, have you seen that movie, Letters to God? All, awesome movie, awesome movie. If you haven't seen it, uh, go pick it up. It, it's just awesome. And, and kind, of, kind of what's happening there is it's, it's toward the end of the movie, and I don't, I don't want to give it away, but, but Tyler, the, the young boy who, whose brother is, is playing and singing that song, is, is, is battling a sickness, battling an illness, and um, he's in and out of the hospital for chemo treatments and stuff like that. And, and uh, his brother writes in that song, saying, you give me hope in spite of everything. And uh, today, as we kind of close this Ignite series, um, I thought, going into December, what better way to kind of close this series off and, and bridge into next week as we start our Christmas series um, with talking about igniting our hope. Because, because hope is, is kind of a tough thing sometimes. You know, for, for some of us, um, the Christmas season and the holiday season, there's not a lot of hope. Um, whether whether we just lost a loved one or or, or different things or, or whether we have bad memories of, of Christmas or the holidays from from before or you know traveling or different things like that and so, some guys dread going to in laws houses or anything like that you know for some people this season there's not a lot of hope there's not a lot of hope and so I thought about you know what do we need to ignite going into December what do we need to ignite coming out of the series and I thought about hope. So the question I want to ask you this morning is, is, is where do you find your hope? What gives you hope? Um, what, what brings you hope? When, when you're facing the mountains in your life on an everyday basis, when you're facing the trials and the speed bumps that come up in your life, where do you find hope? Where do you find your peace? How was Thanksgiving? Was it pretty good? I had, a, I had an odd Thanksgiving, Rich. You watch The Biggest Loser? Anybody watch The Biggest Loser? Anybody? Come on now. Tell me I'm not alone. Hallelujah. Amen. See a hand in the back. They, had, they did a special on Wednesday night. It was The Biggest Loser. It's this weight loss show, and it's inspiring, and the trainers are mean and ugly. Anyway, I, I was watching the special a little bit on Wednesday night, just kind of just trying to detox from, from the day and from the week and get ready for the turkey. And uh, they had this trainer tip going into commercial to wake up early on Thanksgiving Day and do a, do a race, do a 5K or 10K in your area. They've got turkey trots all over the place. And um, while Kristen and I, we had already signed up for an 8K, which is about five miles, down in the South Park area on Thanksgiving morning with about 8,000 other people, uh, crazy people. I mean people. And um, there was somebody in the first service who was wearing their, their race shirt. And so... She was one of the ones that passed me very early in the race. But, um, you know, I, 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 I run. I, I don't like to run. Um, I run because it's the only way that I can stay healthy and, you know, all that stuff. It, run, running is, is okay with me. I'm not one of those people that gets excited about running and, you know, all that stuff and gets excited about a new pair of running shoes or anything like that. I don't, that's not me. Like, I don't get excited about that stuff. Um, I, I just run because... I, I need to stay healthy, and it's it's the way that I know to stay healthy, or if somebody's chasing me. And you know, I, so I've been running for a couple years, and I've I've done a couple half marathons and different things like that. And it's you know it, that's all well and good, but we we decided to do to do this 8K, and I'm doing something different with running these days. And this will make sense in just a second, so hold on with me. Um, I'm pushing my my brother, my 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 handicapped brother. Um, 
in, in some of the races that I'm running these days because I was inspired at my last half marathon in Virginia Beach because this father whom I met at one of the disability retreats that I volunteered at back in, back in August, and he, he was pushing his son for 13.1 miles. And they finished that race only like two minutes behind me. I started with them and ran with them the first half of the race, and then they kind of had to fall back. And, and seeing them finish and, and talking to them and seeing that was such an inspiration to me. And I thought, you know what? What's holding me back from doing that with, with my brother? And um, so I got home, and he said, you know, start slow, start small. And so I started with a 5K, and we ran that, you know, a few, few weeks ago. And we did a 5K. I almost died, but we made it. And then, um, and then this, this 8K was the next step. And so I'm pushing my brother, and I'm doing it for two reasons, really. Number one, it's, it's a challenge for me. It's a new challenge for me because I'm not crazy enough, dumb enough to run a full marathon. That's not me. Um, but, but, you know, I need, I need a challenge to stick with this running thing. And I think eventually Andy and I will run a half marathon together, um, but not, not yet. Um, but the other, the other reason is the joy on his face when we when we're running together the the personality that comes out of him when we run is just inspiring the first race when we ran this 5k i kind of started out in the back thinking i'm not really sure what to expect um so let's just let's see how this goes because you know it's about 80 or 90 pounds that i'm pushing you know along with myself and um so it started out in the back and we we started passing all these people and he would look at him while we were passing him and just start laughing his head off. <laughs> it was so awesome. And uh, so he, he was loving it. And I was thinking, man, that's just so awesome. Well, Thursday was a little bit of a different story because they, they let the strollers and the, and the baby joggers and everything start first. And they gave us like a two or four minute head start. And so we were in front of the pack for about 30 seconds. <laughs> We, we made this turn, and we were going up this hill, and all of a sudden this big, this bike guy came behind us and said, the, the leaders are coming, the leaders are coming, look out. And all of a sudden these blurs, these little white, skinny, they obviously don't eat turkey. These, these guys, you know, they, they just started passing me, passing me. And we, we spent the whole rest of the race just getting passed, the whole time. And so <clears throat> about two miles in, I noticed that he didn't have anybody to laugh at as we were passing, and he was turning around looking at me and laughing at me. <laughs> Not very inspiring, <laughs> but, um, but man, we finished it and, it, and it, and it was awesome. It was awesome. But for, for 26 years now, I'm 26 years old, for 26 years, um, I have found hope and inspiration somehow from my brother Andy. Um... That's where I find hope. Where do you find your hope? Today we're going to talk about hope. Today we're going to talk about hope. And we're going to talk about hope in the light of 1 Peter and, and the glory of God. One of my favorite things about God to talk about, the glory of God. The glory of God means the greatness of God. The glory of God is everything that He was, everything that He is, everything that He's going to be. Every part about God describes the glory, the greatness of who He is. And today we're going to talk about, we're going to look at 1 Peter, and we're going to look at four discoveries about hope that 1 Peter found. And, and 1 Peter, you know, Peter didn't find these, these, these four discoveries um, by, you know, by different things. He found them from one thing and one thing only, the glory of God. 
The glory of God. Peter found his hope from the greatness of God. And so we're going to talk about four things about the greatness of God. And out of those four things, my challenge to you is, is that you would find hope this year from the greatness of God. So let me pray, and we'll dig into 1 Peter chapter 1. God, today I just thank you so much for the opportunity to be here with your church. And I just pray that you would speak through myself, and God teach us about your greatness. In Jesus' name, amen. 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 1, it says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens scattered throughout um, Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, by the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with His blood. May grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. Verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has called us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Alright, hang on one second. That's, that's, that's Peter's introduction. That's Peter's introduction. And he's, he's writing to a group of believers who are scattered throughout. You, you, saw, you saw there Asia, Cappadocia, um, Bithynia, Galatia, Pontus. So he's writing to the church in Galatia. He's writing to all these different churches. The believers scattered throughout. And, he, and he's writing this letter as an encouragement to those believers. And the first thing that he wants these believers to get, the first thing that he talks about in the greatness, the glory of God, in order to give these believers hope, is one thing. And it's, it, it, he talks about that Christians are born for glory. If you've got message notes, that's, that's, that's blank number one. But he talks about how Christians are born for glory. Look at verse 2 again. It says, According to the foreknowledge of God the Father, by the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to obey Jesus Christ, to obey Jesus Christ, born for glory. And then verse 3, skipping down, it says, Blessed be God the Father of Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. And so we have to realize today something, something big. That we're born for greatness. We're born for glory. We're born for something so much greater than what we're experiencing here. We're, we're born with a purpose. Jeremiah 29.11 For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans for a future. We are born for a greater purpose than what's in front of us. We have a greater purpose. We're born for greatness. And, and, and what I tell the teenagers all the time is that you, you have a calling. You have a purpose. You're born for a greater purpose. You're born for greatness. So don't settle for mediocre. Don't settle for anything less than greatness in your life. Because Garrett, you're born for it. Peter's trying to tell the believers scattered across the land that, hey, quit meddling around in the day-to-day things. You're born for something greater. You're born for glory. You're born for greatness. And at the point of salvation, we, 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 we saw you know, 15, 16 people last Sunday get baptized and follow Jesus in baptism in their faith. And when that happens, and when we give our lives to Christ, and we are reborn with Him, there's a sanctifying salvation, which is kind of the same word, but there's, there's a sanctification that takes place. There's salvation that takes place there. 
and we're reborn for glory. What a great promise. What, what an incredible promise. And so today, if, if we're not living for greatness, if we're just living to get through, if we're just living to get by, then we're not, then we're not living in the greatness that God ordained for, for our lives as believers. But the first thing that Peter wanted these believers to realize is that they were born for greatness. The second thing I want to show you in verse 5, read it with me. It says, Who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be received in the last time. The second thing I want you to see is, and that Peter wanted these believers to see is that Christians are kept for glory. Believers are not kept in their own power, but the power of God. Believers aren't kept in their own power, but they're kept in the power of God. We went out to the Carolina Christmas show at the Speedway on, on Thursday night. Um, and it, it, was, it was a lot of fun. If you haven't been out there, I encourage you to go. I, worked it, I had worked it on Wednesday night, and I wanted to take Bria and Mike out there so they could see everything, and I wanted to ride through and get the full experience. And um, part of the experience, I'm just going to tell you, I'm, I'm now a NASCAR fan. Because part of the experience is getting in your own car, man, and taking those turns in your own car on the speedway, on pit road. It's not road. They'll get you for that out there. It's not road. It's pit road, right? Amen. All right. Good. And, and so we were out there. We were hanging out. And, um, you know, it's Thursday night. And so one of the biggest most exciting holidays it's coming the day after Thanksgiving that's Black Friday and Kristen and I had had this whole plan to to go Black Friday shopping together and she's just asking me as we're pulling away from the the Carolina Christmas thing she said she said now do you really want to go Black Friday shopping (coughs) baby I'll do whatever you want me to do all you guys are looking at her like, like, um, like, is this a true story? It's true. Um, and and, and she, we, we just kind of talked about it, and we mutually decided, fellas, we mutually decided um, that, that, it would be, that it would be best for everyone involved, the whole family involved, that if I stayed home and, uh, and kept the kids in, in, in bed, and, and it would make for a better, you know, Friday afternoon for us, because we had plans Friday afternoon and night and all that stuff, and so we just, we decided it would be best. Whew. I went home and ate another piece of pie. I was so, I was so happy, because I love the shopping. I, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't mind shopping, fellas. I, I, I don't mind it, but, but what I do mind is the crowd sometimes. It makes, me, it makes me just want to step on people. I just can't handle the crowds. And when she got home and told me about all the crowds at Toys R Us and everything, if you went to Toys R Us on Friday morning, God bless you. You were a better person than me because it, I heard it was just crazy. And I don't, I don't have a problem with the Black Friday shopping. I think it's great because all of our shopping's done. It's out of the way. We can just breathe for the rest of the month and not have to worry about all that stuff. But what did kind of strike me on, on Friday when I, when I heard about all the crowds and when I heard about almost being a brawl in front of Target and, 
you know, a couple people getting into it in the line at Children's Place and all that stuff. I'm just, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, really? Really? Because, because again, the shopping doesn't bother me, but what, what gets me is that we are so wrapped up in finding hope and peace in things that don't even matter. We've, we've trained ourselves and we've trained people to, on Thanksgiving, take time out of giving thanks to look at flyers. We've, we've trained people to make this one of the biggest shopping days of the year. We, we've kind of got it in us that, that this is a part of culture, that this is an actual holiday. And, and again, the deals are awesome and it's great. But, but thousands of people in a line in front of Toys R Us that has to go all the way around Olive Garden and Red Lobster, and they're only letting 20 people in at a time and 10 people out, which made a lot of sense to them, but no sense to anybody else. The glory that I want to live for, the, the, the God that I serve, the, the, the greatness of God that I'm talking about this morning ought to drive us to want to see that same kind of line right there, out these doors, to, talk, to hear a living hope, a hope that you can't buy for 30% off, a hope that you can't get in a one day only sale, a, a, a living hope that, that isn't fleeting, because, because here's, here's the point, okay, follow me here, transition from shopping, here's the point, God is guarding He's guarding our glory. He's guarding our faith. John 14, I believe it is, where he talks about, Behold, I've gone to prepare a place for you. I've gone to prepare a place for you. And, and one day, one day, one day I'm going to come back and get you. And I'm going to take you with me to glory. And we're going to celebrate together. If this were not so, I wouldn't have told you so. And so God has promised he has promised an end. He's prom- an end, an end, but really a beginning. He has promised a glory. He's promised an eternal life for those who believe, who, for those who love Him. And that's what I want to live for. That's the hope that, that I want to bask in. That's the glory, that's the greatness of God that I want to focus on. That I want to talk about. Does that make sense? You following me here? God has guarded your hope. He's guarded your salvation, your sanctification for glory that, that Peter says at the end of verse, verse 5 there that will, be, that will be revealed in the last time. That will be revealed in the last day. Your, your hope, your faith is guarded. It's guarded. It's guarded. I hope you see that today. That, that, that we're not kept in our own power, but the power of God. Number three. Number three. Verse six and seven. Let's read it first. It says this. It says, In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Excuse me. 
The third thing I want you to get today about God's glory, about the greatness of God is this, is that we as Christians, we as believers, we as people of faith are being prepared for glory. We're being prepared for glory. We're being prepared for greatness. We're being refined for greatness. Okay? And so how does God do that? How does God prepare somebody for greatness? Well, what's, what's Peter saying? He says, um, he says in verse 6, If necessary, you've been distressed by various trials. God uses the trials in our life, the mountains in our life, the, the, the things in our life to, to, to strengthen us, to stretch us, to prepare us for the greatness that He has ordained for us. And so I've got four things for you about trials today. Anybody going through a trial? Number one, trials must, or excuse me, trials meet needs. Trials meet needs. They meet needs. They meet needs. Um, if, you, if you need patience this morning, and if you ask God for patience, guess what God's going to do? He's going to send a situation in your life, a trial in your life, to give you patience. He's going to test you there. He's going to test you there, so be careful what you ask for. Be careful what you ask for. If you need self-control, if you need self-control and you ask God for self-control, He's going to send you into Toys R Us with about thousands of other people and, make, and, and test you with self-control. They meet your needs, the needs, the, the, the needs of growth that you have in your life. The trials that God sends will meet those needs. Secondly, trials are varied. Trials are varied. Trials are varied. The, the, the things that I deal with, the things that, that, that God sends me are, that are trials in my life are different than, than those of you. They're different. Not, be, not, not that I'm better or you're better or anything like that, but, but I have different needs than you, than you do in faith. And so they're varied. They're varied. The third thing, trials are not easy. Don't let anybody lie to you. Don't let anybody lie to you. Scripture doesn't lie to you. Trials were never meant to be easy. Never meant to be easy. Hear me this morning. Never meant to be easy. That's why James chapter 1, James the half-brother of Jesus, one of my favorite books is James chapter 1, when he talks about blessed are those who persevere through various trials, for the testing of their faith will produce endurance. Getting through trials takes perseverance. It takes perseverance. It's, it takes sticking your head down and finishing the race even when you don't want to. Trials are not easy. And the last thing I want to tell you about trials is that trials are controlled by God. God uses the trials in our life as the textbooks, as the map, as the map for greatness in our life. And so they're controlled by God. They're controlled by God. Read verse 8 with me. 8 through 12. It says this, And though you have not seen Him, you love Him. And though you do not see Him now, but believe in Him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. Verse 10, As to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries. Verse 11, Seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. Verse 12. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you in these things which now have been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Things into which angels long 
to look. The last thing I want to tell you this morning, and kind of, kind of the thing that brings it all together, to be honest with you. And number four. Christians, believers, people of faith, we can enjoy the glory now. We can enjoy the glory now. We can enjoy the glory now. What are we living for? What are the things that we're living for? Are we living, are our schedules just, just making us live for, for the next day, the next moment, the next thing? What are we living for? Are we living for the greatness and the glory of God that, that dictates our every move, our every, our every breath? Or are we living by our own strength, for our own uh, sake, and for our own power? What are we living for? And I want to tell you today, and the thing that we can get the most hope from, is that we can enjoy the glory of God now. The glory of God that, that, is, that is most uh, um, clearly talked about for me in Exodus chapter 33. My, one of my favorite passages in the Bible. Exodus chapter 33, where Moses is leading the Israelites out of Egypt, out from under Pharaoh's rule. And, and, and they, they did the golden calf thing earlier in, in Exodus. And Moses is just frustrated with the Israelites. He's so, he's so frustrated with their lack of faith, with them losing heart and losing hope. And so Moses says, alright, I'm, I'm going up on the mountain. And Moses goes up on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. And he's crying out to God and he's saying, God... I don't want to take another step. I don't want to lead anymore. I don't want to take these people another turn unless you show me your glory. He was feeling very empty. He was feeling very far from God. He was, he was, he was, he was beat down. He was battered. He was crushed. And he's saying, God, I need you to show me your glory. And God said, okay, because of your testimony of faith, I'm going to show you my glory. And so he put Moses in the cleft of a rock because no man can see the face of God and live is what, is what God said in response to Moses. And so Moses, God put Moses in the cleft of this rock, covered his face with his hand, passed by Moses, and then removed his hand so that Moses could see the back of his robe, the greatness of God. And that was enough for Moses to go on down the mountain and continue leading those Israelites. What, what a story. What a story. But, but, but here's the thing. You notice what Moses had to do in that situation? He cried out to God. God, show me your greatness. Show me your glory. God wants you to experience His greatness now. He wants you to experience His glory now. But if we don't ask of Him, if we don't call on Him, then guess what? We're just living on our own strength. And we won't experience His glory now. So four things to give you, just real quick, as we close up this last point. Four things to give you that I hope will, and pray that will lead you into living in this glory now. The first thing I want to tell you is love Christ. Love Christ. Love Christ. We're reading a book for our rock group. Um, I'm, I'm rereading it. I've read it before. It's called Crazy Love by Francis Chan. I don't know if you've ever picked it up or read it. If you haven't, Awesome book. Awesome book to read this December. And the, Francis Chan was a pastor out at Cornerstone Community Church in Simi Valley, California. And, and he talks about in the introduction of this book how, how he had been a pastor for years. He'd been this large speaker for years. And, 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 um, and, and you know, r really, really big deal. 
you know, really big deal. He's, he's an awesome speaker. And he talked about how he had gotten so wrapped up in just the mundane things of the church. Like he had his Thanksgiving sermon, he had his Christmas sermon, he had his Easter sermon, and just all felt, in his words, boring to him as a pastor. And so he, he, he knew that this was a dangerous place for him to be. And so he started praying about it and praying about it. And he felt, he felt like he needed to, to make a huge step in his life. And so he felt like he needed to resign from the church because he wasn't feeling fire. He wasn't feeling passion. He, just, he was just feeling beat down and, 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 um, and all that. And so he went to his deacon board and he said, Guys, I'm resigning. I'm resigning. I just need to, I just need to leave. He said, it would be better for you. It will be better for me. Something's happening. I'm just not feeling the fire anymore. And they, and they talked him out of it. They said, just take three months. Take a three-month sabbatical. You've been going at this for years. Just take a three-month sabbatical. And so he did. He agreed to that. He said, all right, I'll take a three-month sabbatical. We'll see what happens. And he made the decision at the start of that sabbatical to read the Bible from, from Genesis to Revelation like he'd never read it before. What a great commitment in three months. But that's what he gave himself to. He was going to read the Bible from Genesis to to Revelation like he'd never read it before. He said he got through the Old Testament and he he said it was incredible. But when he got to the New Testament, he read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He talks about in this book how he fell in love with Jesus. How he fell in love with God all over again. He, he read things in ways that he had never read them before. He saw things in ways that he had never seen before. In scriptures that he had preached on over and over and over. He read them in a new light. And he, and, he, and he saw things differently. And he said it changed him. It gave him a new passion. A new fire for, for the things of God. For the things of Christ. Not only for his ministry... Which he went on to, to, to continue to be the pastor and everything, but not only for his ministry, but for his personal life, for his family, for everything that he was involved in. It gave him a freshness to go forward. How do you love Christ? How do you love Christ? What are the tangible ways that you love on Christ? Do you spend time with him? Do you fulfill the calling on your life? What are the ways that you love Christ? What are the ways that you fall in love with Christ? He said the way that he read the story of how Jesus was, was, was born and then lived a life for one purpose and one pur- purpose only for me so that he could die on the cross for my sins and carry everything and, and give me a hope and give me eternal life. To be raised, to, to go and to prepare a place for me. He said, he said when he read that, his whole thinking was transformed. And you think about that. We're about to go into a season where we hear about the birth of Jesus almost all month long. If you listen to some radio stations, you've been hearing Christmas music since, you know, before Thanksgiving. And we're about to go into this. Is, is it going to be just another year where, where, where we hear about it and we're like, oh yeah, and we just go through the, the, the routine of December? Or are we going to fall in love with the hope that is in Christ again? Let that be your challenge. The second thing I want to encourage you to do is trust Christ. 
trust Him. Trust Him. Do you, do, you, do you trust Him with your life, with your family, with your job? Do you trust Him? Trust Christ. The third thing, rejoice in Christ. The, the, the end of verse 8 says there, it says, um, rejoice, with, rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Find ways this, this season to find your hope by rejoicing in Christ, singing in Christ. Wasn't that awesome this morning? We got the next Chris Tomlin up on stage. Wasn't that awesome? That was just incredible. Rejoice. Rejoice when you have the opportunity to rejoice in Christ and all that He's done, has done, and will do for you and your family. And the last thing today, receive from Christ. Receive from Christ. Receive from Christ. We talk so much, and, 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 it's, and it's good, it's good. We talk so much about giving. You know, when we talk about, you know, Christmas, and we talk about, you know, the Salvation Army and the Christmas boxes and everything that we've done over the last couple of weeks, you know, there's so much giving involved in Christmas. And that's great, and that's awesome, and we're going to do more of that. We've got the, the Salvation Angels. We're, we're going to have the Angel Tree in the next couple of weeks where we've got something like 80 angels that we're going to try to sponsor um, for, for this Christmas, which is just awesome, and we're going we're gonna to do some more of that. But, but, but I, want, I want you to concentrate on one thing, receiving from Christ this Christmas. And you can't receive from Christ unless you stop. Unless you learn to say no to some things. Unless you take some nights on the calendar and say, hey, these are, these are reserved. We're just going to spend some time at home. And me as dad, I'm going to read the Christmas story out of, out of Luke. We're going to pray together. We're going we're gonna to sing some Christmas carols if, if you do that. We're, we're just, we're just going to say no tonight. And we're going to receive from, from, from what Christ has to give us. Stop and read, maybe during your lunch break or a break at work the Christmas story. Receive. We can't receive if we're constantly giving and eventually we'll give out and we won't have anything to give anymore unless we're continually receiving. So we have to continually receive strength, love, trust, and all of that from Christ so that we can give it back. Let me challenge you with that this Christmas. Let me challenge you with that this, this season. is to ignite your hope for this year, by loving Christ, trusting Christ, rejoicing in Christ, and receiving from Him. That's how we can experience the glory and the greatness of God right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. Get it? Got it? Good. Let's pray together. God, today, what an awesome, awesome story of your glory. And God, I, I just want to take time right now to thank you for your word. God, how, it's, how it speaks, how it's living, how it's protecting, how it's challenging, how it's igniting on its own. And God, I just pray right now that, that God, you would give us all a new hope, a fresh hope, a living hope as we walk in your living word.
God, that we would go from this place, and God, that we would take our hope, and that God, we would spread it into our community, into our neighborhoods, into our workplaces. God, that everywhere we go, everything that we touch, every conversation that we have this Christmas, this season, this December, this week, that God, it would ignite hope in somebody's life. God, that our love for you, our trust for you, our rejoicing for you, our receiving from you, God, that all of that would be so transparent and, 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 and God, that it would spread in such a way. God, use us as Rocky River Church, use us as your body of believers to ignite hope in this community, to ignite hope everywhere that we go. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Stand with me this morning. I've asked these guys to sing one of my favorite songs, and I want to ask you that it would be your prayer this morning. And I do have one more request from you. Donnie mentioned the, the, the Christmas meeting. I, um, if you're working Carolina Christmas meeting tonight, you need to see Teresa in the cafeteria. But also, if you could, um, if there's any fellows or any families that can stick around and help us tear down, that would be just awesome today. We're a little shorthanded, and so we would really appreciate that. If you could help us pick up chairs and and move sound equipment and take down kids' areas. That would just be awesome. And uh, we, we can get out here a little bit, little bit sooner today. That would just be great. Thank you guys so much for being here. Have a blessed week, and we'll see you next Sunday, all right?